Good to be back. Good to see your familiar faces again and uh, share just a few thoughts about the trip. <clears throat> You'd have loved it, Jimmy. Uh, a lot of up and down and uh, a lot of airtime. <laughs> Lots of airtime. Uh, but I s tried to sleep a little bit and seems like uh, I flew Ethiopian Airlines from Toronto, on, uh, Canada, uh, over to uh, Agadiz, uh, Ethiopia. And I found that to be, uh, that was my first time on Ethiopian Airlines. And I'll tell you what, the, the food was good. It seemed like every time you turned around, they were getting ready to feed you again. But uh, that was nice, that was nice. And I noticed too, I, when I go from place to place, um, I like to observe the people and uh, the differences of people, the variety of people that God has created and placed in the world. And uh, Ethiopians, they look different. They got different characteristics. Um, same thing when I was in Malawi. I noticed that... Uh, the people in the towns, their, their facial structures and everything seem to be different. When you get out into the country area more, more of the people look alike. And so uh, it's just some things that I've observed along the way. But the, the flights, I flew from uh, Atlanta to Ontario, and that's only a couple-hour flight. That's an easy one. Then from Ontario, or for, uh, Toronto, excuse me. Then I flew from Toronto to Agadiz, and uh, in Agadish, that was, that was a bit different. Um, first time I had, I've ever been in Ethiopia. And, of course, I just visited the airport. And uh, that was something else. Uh, <laughs> if you had to go to the bathroom, that was something else. Um, it looked like they had uh, one spot that they just built on, you know, a little bit of wood and that. So just small wood structure and that. And it rather... Uh, Rather interesting, rather interesting. And uh, then I flew from there. I only had a couple hour layover. Then I flew from there down to Lalangwe, uh, down in Malawi. That was a four hour trip, and that was that was good. But to get into Malawi, Malawi is a, a different kind of country. It was uh, right now. It's in the dry season, so there's a lot of dust uh, from the ground in the air. And uh, you, you find the dust covering everything. If there's any vehicles that just sit around that, that haven't been moving uh, anytime soon, you find a lot of red dust covering over them. You look on the houses, and a lot of the houses, uh, uh, they got metal roofs, and you see the red dust on the metal roofs. And, of course, when the rainy season comes, uh, that'll change. And uh, that'll be washed away and then go back down to the ground to be recycled again. And to go back into dust and to go back up on the roofs and, and the tops of cars and that. But uh, th that was interesting. I looked around and, and I saw a lot of areas that had been farmed, but uh, was not being farmed at the present time because there is little to no water. And uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was amazing that you could see the furrows that they, they dig and that they build up so that they can plant in those. And I looked at it and I said, how, could, how in the world could anything ever grow in soil that looks so dead? And, uh, and I asked that to Maxwell, and Maxwell said, well, he said when, when the rain does come, he says it does change things. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, uh, that was interesting. And then again, too, uh, I found that... Uh, why cars, certain cars there in certain places, uh, just seem to break down a lot. And uh, you got the main highway, and you got roads that are pretty decent in town, but once you get outside of the town areas, everything is pretty much dirt roads. And the dirt roads are not uh, very wide, just barely wide enough for two cars to pass, going either in the same direction or in the, or in the opposite direction. But uh, where Maxwell lives, 
And I got some pictures of that that I, I'm going to put together in a presentation and uh, to give you a little more of a feel uh, of the country. But where Maxwell lives, it's, it's a dirt road. And uh, it, it, obviously, with a dirt road, you know, it's, it's going to have all sorts of little cuts in the road and, and hills and potholes and stuff. So you don't drive fast on those roads. And, uh, but anyway, driving on those, uh, you constantly have to be hitting the horn because if there's no car on the road, there are people on the road. And I mean on both sides, and they just go in every which direction. Then you have uh, their transportation. Uh, usually in those, those more rural type areas, you have, uh, if you don't have a car, then you can get a motorbike. And if you don't get a motorbike, then you can get a bicycle. And by, it's amazing. It is amazing what people haul on those bicycles. Uh, if you can imagine uh, uh, a bag of coal that they make there. Uh, the bag is about as tall, maybe a little bit taller than I am, and it's about this round. And so uh, they lay it across the back seat, and they'll lay maybe three bags on top of each other, and then they strap them down. And sometimes they'll ride them, sometimes they just push them. And it's, it's amazing what those bicycles are, what they do for transport. But that's, that's kind of the low thing, a transport. And, uh, but I've, I've ridden on all of those. We had the opportunity to experience uh, the riding of the bicycle. And when I rode on the back of the bicycle, I'll tell you what, I was glad we were riding because we had walked a little over a mile or so to church uh, when, when we were down at the bottom of the country. And... Uh, it was hot that day, and so by the time we got to church, we, we had worked up a pretty good sweat, and so it, it was nice to ride on the back end of a bicycle coming back because you had air conditioning, you know, as the breeze blew as you went down the road, and, but that was interesting. And uh, the people, the people, uh, very, very cordial, very happy to see you and uh, willing to spend time uh, talking with you. Now, Malawi uh, is a country that, that's kind of bilingual, maybe trilingual, and, uh, but English, uh, because of Great Britain and uh, the United Kingdom, uh, the United Kingdom uh, it kind of took charge over, over Malawi, uh, back in uh, the 1890s. And so they have an English background. And I was really surprised that, that when I got off the plane and I started walking around and I, I started uh, getting transported around, that, that you heard a lot of radio programs in English. You heard English songs being sung. Uh, and looking at uh, outside the windows and that, you, you would see different businesses and that that carried English titles. And so there's a, there is a strong English emphasis there. And I was surprised that I'd be, be able to communicate uh, fairly well with, uh, with some of the people in their English. But it, it kind of reminded me of Trinidad in a way because in Trinidad they have English, but it's a sort of English. And you have to kind of wiggle your way through the accents and the pronunciations of their words and, uh, and then you had to think, you know, to process what you've heard and try to make sense out of it. And that, that was very much the same in, in Malawi. And uh, so I found that similarity. At least I, I've had some experience in, in uh, deciphering uh, sort of English, you know, from Trinidad. But there in Malawi, that was different too. Um, their money system. I was figuring this would be interesting to you, is the, the Quacha. And the Quacha bills, I know there's a 20. I'm not sure if there's anything smaller than a 20. But there's a 20 uh, Quacha, there's a 50, there's a 100, there's a 200, a 500, a 1,000, and then a 2,000. 2,000 is the largest bill that they got. And uh, the, the 20 Quacha... Uh, to figure out about how much it really is worth in American money, you divide it by 700. Because 700 is uh, the exchange rate, the basic exchange rate uh, 
Now, Maxwell has a way of getting a little bit more uh, for the exchange rate. And uh, if he's going into town and if he has, depending upon the size of uh, money that he's going to change over, will determine whether or not he goes to the bank. If you go to the bank, it's, it's a strict 700 kwacha uh, per one U.S. But if you go into town, you can go to the black market, I guess you would say, and you can get a better exchange rate. And so <clears throat> I went with him one day, and we experienced that. I got to experience that. And uh, you look around, you go to certain spots, and you look around, and uh, you see where the vehicle is parked. And you, he would go, and he'd talk with, with a man, then the man would usher him into the car vehicle. I was standing over on the side, up by the side of the building, and, and the driver that was in the vehicle, he motioned for me like this to come. And I got to sit in the front for the driving, next to the driver, you know, in the vehicle. And uh, so that's where, the, where the, the exchange takes place. And the guy in the back seat with Maxwell, he has a phone and he has a calculator. He calculates something. Then he contacts his contact to find out what kind of exchange rate they're going to give. And then, uh, and how, based upon how much money he has to exchange, and so then, it, then the guy would figure it out. And we got the best we got in exchange rate was uh, 745 kwacha to one U.S. Now, uh, 20 kwacha is worth three cents basically in U.S. money, and so uh, 40. So we got about six, six and a half cents more on the dollar uh, when we exchanged, did some exchanging. And one time we, ch we exchanged, uh, I think it was uh, 1,000 U.S. And then because he had, he had the lodging and that to pay for for us and as well as the men that came for the conference. And uh, so that, uh, that, that, that took a, a fair amount of, <clears throat> amount of the money that I'd that I had brought with, taken down with me. Uh, a 50 kwacha is worth about 7 cents. A 100 kwacha is about 14 cents. A 200 is 28 cents. You might say, can you buy anything for that? <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> you can get a bottle of water for, we paid, I think it was 450 kwacha for a bottle of water. And so that really wasn't, I guess, too bad of a price. Uh, 500 kwacha, 71 cents. A thousand kwacha is a dollar 43, and a two thousand dollars is two dollars and 86 cents in U.S. money. So when you change over, say a thousand U.S., you got a bundle. <laughs> you got a bundle of bills. Well, uh, Maxwell would carry around. Uh, uh, I don't want to say it wasn't a purse. It was more like a ditty bag, you know. Guys, you know, when we go places, we put put our shaving stuff and that into a little ditty bag. Well, that's basically what uh, what it looked like that Maxwell used to, to carry our cash around with. And then he was kind of the the, the payman, and he'd pay out as as we went along the way. Um, the country went independent in 1964, so they're pretty much on their own. Uh, their language, other than English, is Chechua. There's some 18 million people in the country, and it, it's kind of a long country, and uh, the bottom part is covered, is kind of surrounded by uh, Mozambique on both sides, and then uh, as you get up towards the top, then you got Tanzania and some of the other countries that surround that. So it's kind of a landlocked. It's kind of uh, held in. Uh, and they don't have much access. Right now, they don't have access to the sea, but they're working on that to see if they can't get uh, a seaport that will come all the way through Mozambique and into uh, Malawi, because that would, uh, that would help the country a lot develop itself economically, and then also uh, uh, Mozambique doesn't like that too much because... Uh, 
Uh, in Mozambique, they, they like to control things. And so right now, they're, well, what's shipped in comes through Mozambique, so it costs more by the time it gets into Malawi. Um, transportation, uh, the biggest and the most comfortable way to transport in the country, uh, other than airplane, is by bus. And we took a bus and uh, had quite an experience on the bus ride. Uh, then after that, you, you downsize a little bit to what they call a minibus, which is a, uh, a van uh, with a bunch of seats in it. You should be able to hold uh, about 12, maybe 14 people. Uh, it seems like I rarely saw anything less than 18 in those things because they know how to pack them and stack them in there. And then uh, after that, you, you have kind of a taxi car. It's a three-wheel thing. You got one wheel in the front, two wheels in the back, and uh, it, it looks like a little rickshaw, but covered over, and it's, it's kind of like a motorbike that's just been built onto it. And uh, you, can get, you can have that for a taxi to take you around the short distances, and uh, they also haul things. It's amazing what they haul. Uh, in those things, when, when we were in the bus, uh, and we loaded up on the bus, uh, it, there was large, I mean large bags, it took two people to carry them, of uh, produce and that, that they would put uh, in, and store in the buses underneath. Um, when we were coming back up to Lalongwe, uh, there was a bus at the bus stop, and they were loading up some uh, ducks, and they had, this guy had a uh, a thing of ducks, and, and I guess it was, well, it was bigger than the, the, the pulpit up here, it, it probably from the pulpit over to here, and it was kind of a cage that was made out of uh, some kind of a bamboo and, and things, and uh, they had a bunch of ducks in there, and they just slid that thing right in, uh, you know, for storage, and uh, there was a few other ones that, that were just flopping around that I don't know how they got them, uh, into the bus, but they carried those two in the bus. And uh, the buses, once they got filled, then supposedly they'd, they'd drive off. But, uh, it, but then after they drove out of the bus station, then they'd pick up other people along the way. So not only were all the seats full, but there was no, no standing room. And uh, coming back from, uh, from the south part of the country, uh, that was good. Uh, good experience because I was just getting over uh, an episode of diarrhea and uh, th that was a long drive. So <laughs> I had some anti-diarrhea pills that I had taken and we only did one stop along the way. And uh, I was sitting at the back of the bus with Maxwell and the other guys. And so I didn't want, <laughs> it was a job trying to worm my way up to the front if I had to get out and, and uh, to do any business outside. But the buses were something, the, the taxi cars were something, then, uh, then you had the motorbikes, and then you had the bicycles. And uh, it's, it's a totally, totally different experience than what you would ever have here in the United States. Malawi is listed as one of the most undeveloped countries in the world today. Their main, main source of... Uh, Income really is food. They do farming. They do not do much export that I know of. And uh, quite interesting to say the least. One of the most undeveloped countries. When I went into Lalongwe, the plan was, do you ever have plans that you make and things just don't happen like you planned it? Well, the plan was, that uh, we would probably have anywhere from 20 to 30 pastors that would come. We ended up with 20, which was fine with me. But uh, the thing that, that started to get, get to me and that was causing me some discouragement uh, to start with was our plans were that we would have five days, Monday through Friday, of meetings. We would meet at 9 o'clock in the morning and go until noon and then we'll meet at 2 in the afternoon and go until at least 4, 4.30. Then we'd meet at 7 at 9 and go until 8. And that would put in about 30 hours of, of teaching and training. And uh, 
once I got there, I found out that that wasn't going to be so. So the first thing I found out was they weren't going to do any classes at night because they didn't have electricity. They'd have to run a generator. So there went five hours. And then uh, in, instead of starting at, uh, at 9 o'clock, and it would say, we're going to start at 9 o'clock sharp. And so we started about 10 o'clock. Not sharp, but about 10 o'clock. And so I lost another hour there, f five days a week. And then uh, they cut off the Friday. And so we ended up with four days a week. Now, that wasn't what I had planned. That's not what I'd been told. And so... Uh, Right, right away from the very beginning, uh, it seemed like the devil started throwing some obstacles in front of me, uh, and I was starting to get discouraged. And then I realized that, well, that there are things that go beyond our control. And you experience those things in your own lives. And learning how to, how to handle those things are going to be key in your life. And, and I knew that if I wasn't careful, that this would create a problem for me. And it would, it would create a spiritual problem that I, would, I could see coming where I would not be able to deliver and to teach the things that I felt God wanted me to present there. And so, uh, rather quickly, uh, I got together with the Lord in... And I, I got that straightened out. I, I learned that things beyond your control, uh, you have to just surrender into the Lord's hands. And that, that opened up my heart so that I was able, I believe, to, to deliver what God wanted me to deliver. Now, uh, I think you remember uh, Friday, Friday, no, uh, Friday Jovu. And Friday's from... Uh, Zimbabwe, well, Friday went through Mozambique to come up to Malawi to be with, a, with us at the conference. And uh, while there in the conference, uh, well, when, when he was coming up, he said that the worst part about it, the whole trip is when you get to the border between Mozambique and Malawi. Now, Mozambique and Malawi, if you go through Mozambique, it's a, it's a shorter route. So it's going to take less time. But when you get to the, the Mozambique border between Mozambique and Malawi, he said nobody likes to go through that, that border. And that's because the border guards there hassle you. And so uh, and, and, and there, there's, no, there's no communication. They won't communicate with you. He said it's either their way or the highway. And so uh, he had to pay to get across and, and to get back in so that he could get into Malawi. So we decided uh, uh, that we weren't going to subject him to that uh, going back in that uh, we just secured a plane ticket so that he could fly back. But uh, I've come to see that there's some countries that just are not friendly. And that's what Mozambique is, is known for, especially up there by that border. And uh, so anyway... Uh, you know, you learn, you learn so many things. How to help people, how to be a blessing. Now, when Friday came up, I had already informed him what I was going to be teaching on and that. And so he kind of guided his messages uh, along. And I shared time with him. And he guided his messages along so that they dovetailed together. And uh, the men, at the end of the conference, we asked for their input. What, what was it that they would see that they enjoyed? They, they, they loved the teaching because none of these men had been Bible school. And because uh, their English, they, they could think, and they could communicate in English, but they couldn't write English. Most of them could not write English at all. So that caused uh, a breakdown there. So... Uh, Maxwell would interpret uh, in his uh, Chichawa language and so that they could write and take notes. Uh, when, 
when I formed my outlines and things, I had Nancy type them up for me. And then uh, Nancy was able, fortunately, that the Chechua language was in the computer and so that we could translate my outlines over into Chechua. And that way, it, it saved Maxwell the time and, and the trouble to having to do that and then have them printed. And so we were able to do that and have them printed here. And Nancy was out, and she found these red folder covers, to, and they love color. Oh, they love color. And so those, those folders with red, <laughs> they were all proud of it because they had their notes and that in there. And then Nancy also found just a, a small pack of lined paper that she just picked up. I think it was less than a dollar. Fifties, sixty cents for this pack of paper. So uh, she threw that in, and I took that down with me. And we would pass out oh, about three sheets every day to each of the men, and they would write away and take notes, and uh, they enjoyed that. At the end of the conference, when we were asking for their input, there's two things that was asked for by most of the men that came. Number one, well, actually three. Number one, they do it again. They said, we need, to, we need this every year. Uh, it'll be interesting how that's going to work out. <laughs> but number two, the thing that was said was they wanted more sessions for teaching. And the third thing they wanted, they wanted more days. They said, one week's not enough. We want more. We'd like more. That, for a person like me, if, 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 if you like to teach, and you know, the, the, that's music to my ears. But to see men that are born again, that are exposed and have the word, they want more. They're not satisfied with what they got. They wanted more. They wanted more. One man even said, hey, he said, can I bring my wife? Now, that'd be good. I'd like to have that. Uh, that'll definitely create some other logistics because uh, all the men, the, the 20 men that were there, that, the pastors that came, they stayed in one uh, they call it a lodge, and it was it, they got a variety of rooms there, and so they they stayed in that that lodge, and uh, usually they have uh, you get the lodge, and you also get a breakfast to go along with it. Um, where we stayed, uh, it it was uh, where Friday and I stayed. It cost us um, uh, let's see, it was uh, about twenty eight dollars for the two of us, and it was a decent place. We had a uh, decent beds, and we had uh, uh, a, a decent shower. And uh, if the electric was running, if it, if you had electric overnight, then you had hot water in the morning. If uh, the electric went out at night, then you didn't have hot water in the morning. And so, uh, depending upon how you <laughs> uh, how you enjoyed the water, would depend upon how much you'd try and use. But uh, uh, we were comfortable there, and. And the fact that Friday came and that we, we stayed in the same room, uh, we had, that was a delightful time, just, just for the two of us. Uh, I had a book that I had brought with me on uh, the book of Ephesians by Ruth Paxson. And uh, I was telling Friday, I said, I, I've been reading this. And I said, and it, it's really a good book. Well, he grabbed the book, and I didn't see it until the day I left. <laughs> uh, when I did see it, it was in his hands. He was reading. But he, he enjoyed that. And we had some of the greatest theological discussions that we could have during that week. And so not only was it a blessing to be able to, uh, to feed the men, but it was also a blessing to be able to talk with, with another man of God uh, that had the same uh, burdens and, and passions that you had um, for the God and his word. 
some of the topics that, that I felt important to cover were not topics that, that you would cover, that I've ever covered in school. And these are just things that I've found that I thought would be of value and benefit uh, to the men. Uh, the first one that we covered was on the Bible, the importance of the Bible. Uh, and I've shared this with you, uh, uh, Matthew 4, 4 and Luke 4, 4, the, where Jesus said, a man shall not live by, every, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And familiar verses, but yet uh, truth that might be known in the head, but just seems to have little impact on the heart. But once God brings it across to you, the importance of his word is life. And that life is in his son Christ. And to bring that across to them, to help them see the importance of the Word of God. Uh, and then to take the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation and put it out on a timeline. And rather than hand that out to them, already made, I just gave them a piece of paper and they drew it themselves. And we, we went through just some of the key things, you know, of, of creation and uh, uh, the, the time span between Genesis and Revelation and the purpose of God, the eternal purpose of God, as it's revealed in the Word. I, I was never exposed to that when I was in school, uh, neither in college or in seminary. But I come to understand that if you, if we do not understand the purpose of God, the creation of the earth, the creation of man, uh, the creation of Israel, the church, uh, the Christian, the body of Christ, and Christ, the, the, the eternal purpose for Christ. We're not connected with the word. Not with the truth of the word. And so uh, this eternal purpose, <laughs> that was brought out before like in Ephesians, before the foundations of the world. I don't think they've ever saw that before. And again, I shared with them what, what uh, Bob Patterson had shared with me. If, if you'd look at this bench and, you, and let that bench represent time and the beginning with Genesis and the, and the end of the book with Revelation, but, 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 but time... But God stands outside of time, and so he sees the whole framework. He sees, he sees the, whole, the whole timeline of the Bible it, just in one glance. And when I begin to show them that and show them portions of Scripture that speak about uh, eternity past, what God did in eternity past, decisions that he made, and, and what he has in store for eternity in the future, even though there's very little to hardly know information about eternity, future, other than that there are ages of the ages to come. But then everything else inside of time, God already knows, He already sees. And to help them see and to realize that God has, He has orchestrated, He's planned out, He has a plan, He's working His plan, and it only can be worked by Him. And to find out, where, where does Israel fit into this picture? Where does uh, the church fit into this picture? Where do we fit into, the, into this picture, in, in, into this, this framework that God has already constructed? And that he has he started something uh, in the beginning, and he's going to bring it to completion. He's, he's fulfilling it, and it's through his spirit that the work is being done. And to realize, too, that that the sharing of God's word, it may come from a human mouth, but the power of the word is through the Spirit of God. And so to encourage 
them. They wanted to know how to study. So uh, both uh, Friday and I, uh, we kind of tag-teamed on this. When Friday would speak and, and, and teach and preach, he would say, now look at this. See what God is saying. What God is saying. Notice these words. And then I'd come back and, and I'd point out the same truth. The words of God are all important. Every word is. And so I, 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 I drove them to that, that point, and so did Friday. And then, uh, towards the end of the week, then I drew in, uh, they wanted to know how to study, to prepare sermons and, 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 and lessons and that. And so I did the basic observation uh, interpretation and application. But see, we'd already been working with them. We'd already been training them to observe, 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 see the words, understand the words that God has put in these verses and that. And, and so we drew their attention to the words. And by the time I gave them the outline, they already were well ingrained in, what, in that method of study. And so I covered that with them. I covered uh, matters about uh, uh, the word, the timeline, uh, the purposes of God, and especially the church and the body of Christ as found in the book of Ephesians. And things that, that I was taught in school but never saw. <laughs> they registered in my mind I knew, the, I knew the language, I knew the terms, but yet I didn't know the spiritual significance, the, the spiritual connection and the importance of that. And I drove home in, in the epistle of the Ephesians in chapter 4. I took them there where God said that he had given to the church apostles and prophets evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I, and I drove, drove that home to them to see that, that these are individuals that God had given, that God has given to the church for the purpose of the perfecting of the saints. That means that saints needed perfecting. <laughs> it also meant that they needed perfecting too. And then, uh, not only for the perfecting of the saints, for, for the uh, uh, building up of the body of Christ, for, the, for doing the work of the ministry, to bring them to a point to see that it's not about any one of us as individuals, but it is about us collectively together. I'm only... A piece of the body. You're only a piece of the body. But when we get together to live and to serve the Lord, we are a complete body. A lot of times in these countries, I'm afraid that pastors get the wrong idea that maybe it, you know, everything rises and falls on them. And in a sense, it does. But yet, when it comes to the work of the Lord, I, I mean, God could have been no more plain, no plainer in Scripture, where when He says, it's, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit. And as I've gone through the Word of God, and I continue to go through the Word of God, I, I see that jumping out on me all the time. It's not about us. It's about the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians, uh, what is it? Chapter 10. Uh, no, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10. Paul made this statement. He said, It's by the grace of God that I am what I am. And that's been on my mind and my heart. For, for a good time now. And then Jerry spoke on the grace of God. It's by the grace of God we are what we are. 
what would we be, what would you be if God removed his grace from you? We'd all be the same, like what we were before. The grace of God invaded into our lives. We're but sinners under condemnation. Without the grace of God, we'd be most hopeless. Three times in that portion of Scripture, do we find the word grace appearing? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Paul says, I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. That is what has gripped me concerning being able to go to a country such as this. To share truths from the Word of God that, that I think are critical. If, if a, a pastor doesn't know the purpose of God in, a variety, in these variety of areas and ways, how in the world can he achieve or even progress the work of God. We need perfecting. And God has given us individuals to share the word of God. That will do the work. If we have ears to hear. Check that one out. Check that one out. How many times did God go back? He says to, in the Old Testament to Israel, they would not hear. And the same thing with Christ. When he was there speaking, his own people would not hear. They, they, they shut their hearing aids off. And for a long time, oh, I would hear, but... I really wasn't hearing because it wasn't the Spirit of God that was stirring my heart to hear the spiritual truth that he had therein. But by the grace of God, you are, I am, we are what we are by his grace. Same thing is true with those in Malawi. They want more. They do have, and I encouraged them, I said, <laughs> you work and you labor so that you can buy food, so that you can support your family. I said, but what, what are you doing to support yourself in a, in a relationship with the ministry that that will make you a, a more knowledgeable and a better pastor and preacher and a, and a dealer with God's word. I said, you need a Bible dictionary. You need a Bible handbook that will just give you the overall of the different books. I said, you need a Strong's Concordance. And Amazingly enough, I found out that they do have those books translated into Chechewa language. So they can purchase those. I don't know what the prices are because we never went to a Bible bookstore and I never was able to check that out. But uh, I had done that in Argentina to find out what was available. Because I told, the, I told these pastors, I said, you need to discipline yourself in taking a little bit of your money whenever you get some and setting some aside just so that you can purchase books, so that you can be a better servant of God, that you can learn more from God's Word. I think I finally convinced Friday 
he, he would always say, you know, <laughs> typical thing, you know, how, how we get caught up in cliches that really are not probably as accurate as they should be. And, and he was always saying, well, you know, you need, to t- you, 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 need, you need to make time so that you can study. And I'd, I'd, I don't know how many times I told him in the room, I said, now, now, now Friday, think about that. Who is it that can make time? I said, there's only one person that I know of that can make time, and that's God. He makes the time. He gives us the time. I said, then we got to take the time. we got to take out of what he gives us. we got to take time out of all that he gives us, and we got to take a portion of that time and invest it in him and his word. Actually, we need to allow our minds and our hearts to be overwhelmed with his word all through the day. But we need to, we need to take the time. Because he gives us the time, but we need to take a portion of that so that we can submit it unto them. And I challenge them in that, I, to take the time to study. And to take the money, uh, some of the money that they make, and set it aside. I said, you, we'll find out the price of the books, and then we'll, we'll settle on a price that, that you're going to have to put together to pay because you need to invest in it. And I said, then we will come back, and I said, I'll see about supplying the money to pay for the rest of the book. So if they can come up with 10, 20% of the, the cost of the book, that's fine. And then, then I'll see about covering the other cost. And they like that idea. They like that idea. Now, time will tell how they're going to go about uh, doing that. But they, they want more. Hungry hearts. Hungry hearts that want more. And I trust that this, is, this will be just the beginning of opportunities that we will have to be able to share uh, other things with, uh, with them in terms of God's word to help them develop in, into a better man of God. There were a couple ladies that came in. Uh, I think it was a couple days out of our out of our study time, and and they too they they got to enjoy or just partake of a little bit of what was going on. But to see hungry hearts, to see these men willing to set set aside a week out of their time, even willing to set set aside two weeks so that they can study the word and they can get more. And what I enjoyed doing was going back afterwards, and and I was I was looking over their papers and. I was looking for that timeline. But they enjoyed that timeline. They saw something that they never saw before. The whole plan of God laid out in front of them. The church time period, the church dispensation, and the kingdom to come. Thousand years on God's calendar, on his timeline, and they have that to look forward to. And I said, And this is what you're preparing others for too. So they could see that whole plan come together. Uh, I want to thank the church for your contribution and for your help in financing that trip. Because if it wasn't for that, it would have been much more costly for me. And uh, I trust that that you see me as as someone that can... Uh, extend the influence uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ through the preaching and the teaching of his word. Before we left, I put out a, uh, a prayer letter and uh, just information letter that, uh, discussing a little bit of some of these things that I was covering. And one old friend of mine read it, and uh, he sent me an email uh, the very day that I was on a plane uh, heading over to Africa, and he wanted to know that uh, when I get back, that um, if we could get together so that uh, he'd like me to go down to Belize and maybe teach for, do a pastor's conference down there. So appreciate your prayers on that. Uh, I need to meet with him now that I'm back in the States and, and see, you know, what, what he might have in mind and what needs might be down there. And uh, so uh, I thank the Lord for the opportunity 
to represent the church and especially the Christ of our salvation in such a work as this. Thank you, Father, for our time together this day. I ask your blessings upon Alan and uh, ask that you'll just give him strength as well as healing and work in his body in this time of need. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, just a little update on Alan. I was over by Alan uh, yesterday, spent about three, four hours with him, and uh, he's in a neck brace. He's got a problem with a couple vertebrae that, that are cracked, and they don't want to move him until they're able to stabilize that, that neck uh, with uh, some bars, a little bit of metal and some screws in that. And uh, because when you, when you get a, some chips back here, it, they can move around and they can slip and, and put pressure on, uh, on your nerve, on, on your uh, central nervous system. And that can really be a problem. I've, I've had others that, uh, that have had that problem. And, uh, but anyway, they want to stabilize that. And then they, they're looking at some other things and, uh, that they can do. Uh, but uh, that'll be this week, I guess, coming up. Um, he did, he was thinking when we were talking, he was saying that he thought he had four broken or cracked ribs. And uh, when Seth came in towards the end of the day, uh, he was looking over uh, some of his reports and the, the uh, exams that had been done on him, and he found out that there's only two on his left side. And so he said, come to think of it, I don't, I'm not hurting on my right side. But he has p pains here and there, you know, that, that he's dealing with, and uh, some of them due to, the, due to his fall, and others, who knows what they are. But anyway, uh, we'll keep him in prayer, we'll lift him up. What a blessed thing to know that we can have a major part in his life through that medium of prayer <laughs> that God has created for such a time as this. And I'm encouraged uh, to see him and then also encouraged that you'd be praying for him. And I know he greatly appreciate that.